Gemma Rasmussen is with us now from Consumer. It seems there's always a lot going on in the supermarket sector. Perhaps that's because it affects everybody's lives. So far this year, Woolworths has rolled out a new loyalty programme, while Foodstuffs is embarking on a trial of facial recognition technology as a means of dealing with shoplifting and other offending. Across the ditches, Woolworths Australia boss Brad Banducci called it quits following a disastrous interview that he gave on the issue of price gouging. Talking us through all of this and more is Gemma Rasmussen, Head of Communications and Campaigns at Consumer NZ. Good morning. Kia ora. Look, let's start with the rewards programmes. Mm-hmm. The old argument, there's no free lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not paying for it, uh, if, you're not, if, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Whatever all the little cute mm-hmm. phrases are. Talk me specifically through what Woolworths is doing with its Everyday Rewards programme. Yeah, so they've rolled out a new rewards programme program which replaces one card um, and the terms and conditions on this are a lot longer and they say that's because they're trying to be more transparent um, you know, with their customers. Um, what we feel is that, well one, with, with the new um, rewards scheme that Woolworths is doing, they have more affiliate partners that they are sharing your data with. So when you are signing up, you're giving away your, your name, your phone number, your address, they have the ability to take your um, picture when you're in store, they can take a picture of your number plate, so they're collecting a lot of data, and not only do they hold that, they can share that with social media entities like Facebook. Instagram, and then other stores that they may be affiliated with. So you're really sort of signing up to give a lot of data away. And I I know a lot of people are like, I don't care because I want the cheaper prices. And I totally get that. Um, and if you're shopping at just one supermarket, maybe that's the case. But it kind of brings me to the next point, which is about the value of the rewards. We've done research into the value of the rewards at both New World and Countdown, and we don't think they're very good. So we looked at um, club card and one card pricing, and then we compared it to places where you wouldn't need a loyalty card like um pack and save or the warehouse and we found 75% of the time you could buy an item that was a special for cheaper or the same price elsewhere and I think what the supermarkets are really trying to do with these loyalty programs is exactly that they're trying to keep you loyal they're trying to get you to chase the points and to get the special pricing and you know you have to spend $2,000 at Woolworths to get a $15 voucher you get uh, $5 for every $700. Do you get you discounts that you don't get if you don't have the card? Do you, if, you, if you don't have the card, you are often paying a premium. A bit more on, yeah. on, a, on a particular item. That's right. So much to go through. Let's yes. roll back, please. Yes. Uh, the, the situation now that they can add your photo yes. and your car plate, when yeah. did that happen? Because you sign up, you give them your name, address, yeah. email, phone number, yeah. probably. Who and when and how did you give permission? And how do they link you to your car? Do they like track you by camera from the checkout down to the car or what? That's correct. So that they, is insane. They're taking. Is you, this Woolworths only, or is this all of them? This is Woolworths. I'd have to double check with New World, but I would suspect that well, it would be similar. Well, they've not requested <coughs> permission from that. Do they have to request permission from that from customers? Do they have to declare it up front? It's in the terms and conditions of your rewards card right. that you're giving that permission. But if they update that technology, mm-hmm. say, and add it onto what they've done, if you've had a card for like 10 years mm. or something, do they have to seek that permission afresh? Mm-hmm. Well, or can they have... just update their terms and commissions, email it to you, and you didn't read it? 
Well, what people are finding, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have a one card and then you go to use your one card at Woolworths, that's now void. So it's like you have to essentially... You have to get a new card. You have to get a new so card. So this is the point, people, where you want to think about whether you want a new card and you want your supermarket to know what your number plate is. And once it's got your number plate, it knows, well, it already knows where you live. Yeah. And yep. on and on. Okay. Yes. So that's one thing. Yeah. Second thing. The partners that they are sharing with, mm. what are the uses that those partners will be using your personal information all the way down to your appearance mm-hmm. and your uh, and your car number plate? What are they using that for? They're really trying to build a data ecosystem so that they're going to try and understand as much about you and your shopping So they can habits. sell you stuff. So yep. that 15 bucks you saved on your card, you'll end up spending on targeted marketing. Exactly. And that can come from different stores, whether it's Liquorland or a completely different store. They're really just trying to advertise... Um, to you, and and as as that data grows, they're really building quite a complex picture about who you are, potentially how much you're earning, do you have children in your household, things like that. And this lines up with something else that's going on. We'll come yeah. back and talk about, which is this pricing, online pricing that's targeted to your profile. So you and I yes. might want to book the same flight somewhere or book the same mm-hmm. hotel, and one of us will get charged more than the other one because of the profile they've built up. That almost there's just something that feels illegal about that. I mean, your price should be your price, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think there's definitely an ick factor uh. to personalised pricing. And, you know, when you think about the scale of this, when you think about the number of people in New Zealand who are signed up to these loyalty cards and things like that, and the sheer amount of data that they're collecting, they are gleaning insights. How much are you willing to pay uh-huh. for this product? And this Can links to you? something else, which is their ability now to real-time change price. I mean, we could get to this kind of... Horror story, where mm. even as you're walking along the aisle, the choice, will, the, the the price could alter. I don't know if that's legal again, whether yes. you can change price like that. Yeah, we're not quite in that hellscape yet. We're but getting who there. knows? Yeah. So let's move on. The second thing is we don't switch loyalty, and we have this issue across everything we do, mm. from power companies to whatever. Um, Look, I can remember my mother cutting, um, she was a child of the depression, however, mm. cutting out, you know, specials from the newspaper and driving from one supermarket to get one bunch of stuff, yeah. another supermarket. For another bunch of stuff, you can work yes. out whether or not that's worth it <laughs> financially. But for the most part, we don't mm. switch. We're trying to get there with some of these apps, which I think should be damn well compulsory. Yes. Uh, apps that will tell you you can buy your whole shop at Pack and Sable, you can buy your whole shop somewhere else, and this will be the total price. That's that right. will be a game changer when and if that happens. So there's Grocer NZ now where you can load your entire shop in. You can select stores. So say in my vicinity I've got a, a Woolworths, a, a New World, and a Pack and Save, and I might buy the same thing every week. I could look at all three stores and say, okay, if I go to Pack and Save, it's going to be 35 And it will do your total in. shop too? It will do your total shop. And my... Yeah issue is that are, are they going to be required, the supermarkets, to provide that information so that these apps can do their job? Well, what I think a lot of these apps are doing is they are data scraping off the websites, mm. and they're allowed to do that because the information on the websites about the products yeah. and the pricing as long as no is one there for the public. It, if you know what I mean. I know um, I've, I've talked about this with the grocery commissioner, as yes. long as there's not a means for defeating it. That's right. Okay, but, so we don't yeah. switch, so that's an issue. So actually, you could buy that thing that you want on special at one place. Yes. You could get it somewhere else at the same price, yeah. but because we're a bit stuck in our ways, we we don't necessarily do that. Yep, 87% of people shop at the same supermarket. If people get to the point, most mm. people anyway, um, because for those who who really don't get or don't want to get technology, this will always be a barrier. Mm-hmm. But if we get to the point where those apps are ubiquitous and so reliable that you could decide where you're going to do mm-hmm. your shop, would that be the end of loyalty cards? 
It could be because I think the thing about loyalty cards is when you're in the store and you see a red sticker and the supermarket is telling you that it's a good price, do you have the data or the memory or the ability to think about the last 12 weeks and what that pricing also, was and I'm it actually I'm not going to get in good? my car probably and drive across the other supermarket, but if yeah. I can input... Each time I go to shop, what my total shop is, and by yes. the way, that will save you a fortune because you won't be doing yes. um, spontaneous shopping. If you just put that in and you can see where your best total shop value is going to be, you're going to say, why do I need the loyalty card? Then? That's absolutely it. I talked to one woman who was chasing points at Countdown and she got, you know, at once a a month a $15 card and then she switched to back and save. She's saving $50 a fortnight now. And I think that... You know, it is hard when you're in the store not to be triggered by the signage. And we know that food is such a massive concern for people. But using these tools like Grocer and actually really trying to shop around is an important thing. But obviously we would also like a supermarket sector that is fair and competitive. Next question. (laughs) Can you ever get away from these cards? Like if you decide today, Mm -hmm. I'm going to cut up my card. Have Mm -hmm. they still got all your detail? Can they still keep sharing your detail? They're only going to get new information on you if you keep swiping. Yeah, so they have to have a read to hold on to your data. For so, longer than any period or um, just full stop? No, there's a specific period it's and I can't remember. Years, it's yeah. not seven years, they, is it? But they, yeah, they, they have to have a meaningful reason to hold on to it, so they should delete it. And if you contact them, you can say, Get look, I'm, I'm done with it. Takeout is? Shop around. Okay. The facial recognition pilot, the uh, mm-hmm. Privacy Commission has come out uh, with considerable concerns about this, but we've also heard the other side of the equation from the mm-hmm. uh, retailer sector who are fed up with assaults and yep. uh, abuse of their staff. Your take on this? I think that when you go to the supermarket, that's an essential thing. You don't really have a choice about whether you're going to go to the supermarket or not. It's a necessity. You need to buy food. So the question is, is the collection of biometric data, which is essentially like taking your fingerprints when you go into a store, proportionate to the risk that Foodstuffs North Island you know, is trying to address? I don't think it is. Again, are we reassured, and I'm vague on this from the interviews mm. I've done about it, that that data is only retained for the length of time it takes to recognise someone who has been trespassed and then it's gone? I mean, how do we know? No, I don't think it is, and I think that they are... They are taking in a lot of information, they also, this this um, biometric data has been developed in America, right? So when you're thinking about ethnic profiles and things like that, there is a much higher chance that if you're a person of colour... It will be biased, the woman, risk is it's biased. There is, there is the risk of bias as well. And, and again, this is a really, this is a huge amount of data for a person to be handing over unwillingly because they have to shop at the supermarket that's then sitting on on a system so we we think that you know seeing that the privacy commissioner is running an inquiry in real time at the same time of this pilot it really does speak volumes to the fact that they are taking this quite seriously and they're really going to be pushing foodstuffs north island to be to be proving this is justified because as far as privacy goes it is an extreme measure uh, the other matter is a, and I know this from talking to secure, uh, someone in the security space who's helping mm-hmm. the supermarkets and actually developing an app where they can connect much better and much more quickly with police, mm-hmm. which is a positive thing. Yes. Uh, a l- very large proportion of shoplifting or mm-hmm. theft or other behaviours are committed by actually a very small proportion of people. In fact, Correct. they are convinced that there's actually organised groups doing some of this stuff. Yes. So everybody 
and that is practically everybody who has to use a supermarket is having this personal conf- this personal information taken to deal with a very small proportion of people. That's exactly right, and we don't think that you know, for the entire population to or, or whoever goes to these supermarkets to have to hand over that le- level of data. It just doesn't seem to be proportionate. Okay, the farmers' markets look better every week, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. Uh, now, in Australia, what mm. is happening, please? Um, we saw that extraordinary walkout. Yeah. And look, we saw the headlines. I've seen a lot of wash-ups saying, actually, this was, you know, a chief executive who was successful in his business and, mm-hmm. and everything else. But... It's indicative of the, if I can put it this way, and I'm not making it personal to him, mm. of the arrogance of the sector. That when yes. it was asked some serious questions by the ABC, for goodness sake, yes. that the answer was to get up and walk out. And it goes to show how rarely perhaps they've had to answer for some of the data that is perturbing people. That's correct. I think you've hit the nail on the head when you say arrogance. I think Australia's a really interesting market. It's less concentrated than ours. So if you look at the two big players, um, Coles and Woolworths, that's a 65% market share compared to what we have here with our duopoly, which is around 90%. But they had Aldi come into the market roughly, you know, um, I think more than a decade ago. And what, what you saw with that introduction of Aldi was competition, um, and lower prices. But what's happened in the last few years is the feeling that that competition has really softened and that people are noticing that prices are going up and that there has been accusations of price gouging. So now what we have in Australia is the, shot line, the, sorry, the spotlight being, being shone very intensively on the supermarkets and there's obviously a Senate inquiry underway, um, the ACCC is also doing a pricing inquiry and I think that the supermarkets are very um, are defensive about about their pricing practices and their profit margins. And they are essentially two years ahead of where we are now, coming out of a market study, having recommendations in place, and now looking at a report from the Commerce Commission this year about profitability in our market. So it's it's a very interesting time for them. Um, people are fed up. A lot of hope put on the Grocery Commissioner here, and it just... I mean, the words David and Goliath really do mm-hmm. uh, come to mind, despite he has, uh, the, uh, Pierre Van Heerden has experience in the in the sector, of course, but he's still one person with a team attached to the Commerce Commission trying to take on this mm. monstrous task. What do you make of what you've seen so far? So, obviously, Commerce Commission market report comes out, excess profitability is determined, people are very, very annoyed. Um, Supermarkets take a bit of a reputational beating and then the Commerce Commission has measures that they're putting in place like opening up wholesale, grocery code of conduct. There's now suppliers that can anonymously talk to the Commerce Commission. I see these as all really kind of small measures to slowly shift the market. But what I think is that if a report comes out from the Commerce Commission this year that says that excess profitability remains... The Commerce Commission's role is really to provide transparency in the sector, but I think if we get to that point two years on where there's no real change, we need to be looking to the government and putting quite intense pressure on government for more intensive there's action. There's backstops in that report, isn't there, in yes. the report that came out, things like forced, um, forced separation, right. selling off of stores, yep. this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think, absolutely. Can you see a government <laughs> having the cojones, to be blunt, to do that? <laughs> this government? Um, well, the yeah. other one didn't do it either, did it? I think that they they put resourcing into going, is there a problem here? Let's figure this out and let's try and put some approaches in place. And look, 
it, it's there's never going to be a silver bullet in terms of the solution for making the supermarket sector more competitive. But if the supermarkets have been under this much scrutiny and remain excessively profitable, then I think that things Especially like, in a cost of living crisis. In a cost of living crisis, uh, yeah. The other thing is that that anonymous tool, I mean, well and good again, mm. and I mean, there are plenty of producers who are having to pay up to 40% gross yep. Yep. of their profits, right? So, well, they're not profits, it's 40% gross. Um, so, goodness knows if they're even making a profit. Yep. In order to stay on those shelves, those who are refusing to are being taken off the shelves. If you ever wonder why your favourite whatever product, I won't mm-hmm. name it, it's not there anymore, it's probably because they're not paying that bill anymore. Um, you know, and they're too frightened to yes. report. So now they've got this anonymous tool. But how would you go from an anonymous report to actually being able to do something about it without identifying the person making the complaint? Well, I think that's the problem that a lot of suppliers feel is that this is their livelihood that is at stake here. And yes, if the Commerce Commission does choose to investigate things, then ultimately, you know, the supermarkets are going to want to know. And I have spoken to suppliers in the past who have spoken out um, in the media and have felt, you know, penalised. So it's it's a really hard place to be. And, and when you only have uh, two major players to supply to and you've seen those those margins creep from around 15%, say, you know, 12, 13 years ago to 40% it's also, now. It's, it's, a, it's a consumer it's choice issue again because they've got their own store brands. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what's happening is that these companies that are, you know, making amazing products, New Zealand-made mm. products, are finding themselves squeezed so hard that it's a question of whether they stay there or not or the home brand becomes the option. Well, you see that That's you- another competition issue. Absolutely, and and I think sometimes when people are shopping, they're going, well, if home brand's there and it's it's cheaper, then that's that's great. But what you can see is this lack of innovation in the market, and I see that New World is spruiking Pam's as you know New Zealand's most popular or favourite brand or whatever. But I mean, you're going to see thing in competition. Yeah. If you have your own home brand, and you have the supermarket, and you have the wholesale side of things, and you have mm-hmm. everything else lined up, power. How does anyone comp- <laughs> compete with that? That's it. So you see lack of innovation, you see growing power, and they just have their claws in. And so if you're a little supplier or even a medium or big size supplier, it's really hard to, to come up against that. Thank you, Gemma. Gemma Rasmussen Thanks. is with Consumer New Zealand, where she's Head of Communications and Campaigns.